Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello, it's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. In other words, your bi-weekly group therapy for the angry Fulham FC fan. And there would have been many of us frustrated after Saturday's draw against Sheffield Wednesday. This week, though, luckily, I've got the soothing analysis of Ben Jarman. Hi, Sammy. Hello, everyone. Uh, the light relief of George Cooper. You all right, mate? And the man that hates Fulham, Don Betts. Yeah, all right. Hello, hello. Why are you here, mate? Don't know, I don't like Fulham. I don't know why I went on Saturday either. I don't like, I just don't like Fulham. Obviously, everyone's just focusing on England now because, you know, Fulham, they mean, they mean nothing to me. I, don't, I just got to go Poznan and Al Pura for a laugh in pre-season. I don't, I don't care about the club whatsoever. Um, I can't wait for the Don Betts away day guide to Prague. When, when's, that, when's that coming out? Well, well it's, it's quite soon. So the trip's in like two and a half weeks. So maybe I'll, say, maybe I'll leave Prague with we'll John Kosovo in, uh, in November. Yeah. And you haven't, book, to that. you haven't booked it with Thomas Cook? No, because I'm not an idiot. Because anyone who uses <laughs> Thomas Cook isn't is just. I don't understand why you aren't able to book your own holiday yourself. Just book your flights, book your hotel, job done. I don't understand what what's, what is the point in travel agents. How are you unable to book your own holiday? And they say they're stranded, right? They're not stranded because they can just book another flight home. <laughs> so they're wrong. Well, this podcast is downhill from here because that was my favourite bit, without a doubt. Um, okay, just to say that this season, Fulhamish has partnered with Football Index. Uh, and right now, as a special offer for Fulhamish listeners, you can get £1,000 risk-free to bet with for the first seven days of opening your account. To claim the offer, simply go to fulhamish.co.uk forward slash index and download the app using the link on that page. Use the referral code Fulhamish as well and you will get that offer you can literally just contact their customer services and you'll get your money back in seven days uh, if you have any losses i traded up today sold my shares in ryan sessignon uh who did i end up buying in the end i mean we don't manage your account so it's definitely not going to be someone <laughs> we're going to know uh, i bought a few shares in aaron creswell because he should be on the way back up back in the west ham team scored a goal, good goal yesterday well, that's not reactionary if i've ever heard it maybe a little bit <laughs> Didn't cost me too much, though. And I bought some shares in Tammy Abraham as well. <laughs> the stunned silence. Yeah. The, uh, Why? The <laughs> Don't know. Thought I might make some money. Play the continent, mate. Make, make big margins. Well, if you give me some tips on who to... Of course I will. ...invest shares in... Well, I mean, if you download Football Index as well with the code, you can download some shares of your own. I'm no You'd doubt just spend them all on Naki Williams, wouldn't you? I would, yeah. <laughs> Grand on Naki Williams. That's what you want to do. Uh, so do go to Football uh, Index and claim the offer. It's only applicable, though, if you're over 18, live in the UK or Ireland, and please gamble responsibly. Right, enough of that. Let's do some three-word reviews from Saturday's match. George Cooper, first ever time doing the three-word reviews. What have you got for us? Yeah, uh, it's an honour. So I've, I've uh, grouped these into categories. So I've got a few from the Fulhamish boys first. Um, I knew who it. Is that how you pronounce his name? I never... Yeah. Yeah, uh, that was from our very own Jack Kelly. Uh, football is crap. That's from our very own Ray of Sunshine AF, and another yeah. gutless game from Cam Ramsey. Uh, and then the first um, category, which is the most substantial, should we say, is negative. Uh, we've got Parker <laughs> under pressure by Michael B. Draw, draw, draw by Sam Cole. Too many reads by John Mackey and uh, Mickey Seventeen. Failing to learn. That was from We Won at One Time. Family at War. That's from Richard Bamber. Uh, HMS Piss Pants rather than the uh, <laughs> HMS Piss the League. That was from uh, Brendan Massar. Uh, this is a favourite of mine. Erection, then deflection. That was from TR7, yeah. We can only assume that he's talking about 
um, Mawson's deflection for the uh, Wednesday goal and then the erection I don't know who's talking about there we can only assume himself Wednesday ruins <laughs> no Sat- Rufus, yeah. <laughs> Wait, maybe it's that bloke last week at the two day long erection what was, was that? There was a news story last week of a bloke in an erection for two days long. Got he taking too many blue pills or something? I probably, but I, I just remember that being a news story. Knockout's goal from last week. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wednesday ruined Saturday. David Kettlehake, stop pissing about. That was from Dan Williams, DZ. Groundhog Day again from C. Aliori. Um This is next category, which is wordsmiths. I've never seen someone quite so organised with three-word reviews. It's you, my first one. I want you've to, printed want to them sure. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I usually just look at my phone at the time. Yeah. Like, would you be printing them out? You do them from memory? Well, no, you just, you just go on Twitter. <laughs> All right. I saw Farrell's method last week, which was like every single one of the ones he wanted to use and then unlike them all so it didn't like go against his exclusive likes column on Twitter. <laughs> but then when he goes to name the body, he forgets which ones he's liked. Wow. He See? really is that like tight with his likes. Yeah, he is. That he'll like them and dis- and dislike them. Yeah. What, what? Why is he being tight with his likes? I'm very liberal with mine. I'd say. I don't what know. Farrell's the- just got like a, a very select bucket of what he likes. I think it's like <laughs> F1, Fulham, FST, and uh, hardcore porn. <laughs> No surprise after his shaggers comment last week. Exactly. <laughs> right, so this is the wordsmiths category. We've got dropping points weekly slash weekly. So you can either use uh, the E or the A on Oh, love Very clever. That was from Josh Whitcomb. Uh, this one I liked. S-H-W-F-U-L. You know the six uh, letters. Match hashtag, yeah, 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 match hashtag. So, Schriftful, fucking awful. That was from <laughs> Chris Woodlock. That works better written down, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's, it doesn't sort of uh, work over the mic. Uh, another howling draw with the O-W-L of... Uh, Al, yes. yeah, yeah, another clever like one, that. Sam Witcher. And then we've got two in the optimist category. We've got Let's Not Panic by Adam Bright and Remember November 2017 by Simon Clemley, 1977. Goodness me, that's got to be the greatest three word review that we've ever had here on Fulhamish. Jack, you just give it to Coops every week. Oh, yeah. no, I'll, I'll take up that mantle if it's going. Right, it's your job. Sorry, Jack. Your yeah. secretarial duties have I mean, been. I haven't uh, seen Jack in about six months. He, he doesn't so. like Fulham anyway. No, he he he's a bit he, like me. He doesn't like Fulham. Doesn't like Fulham. Who's Jack? Kelly, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. JK, yeah. Right, let's come on to the game. We've digressed enough. Uh, one all draw against Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. A late Nuhu goal, uh, leveling it out in the 93rd minute. I nearly threw my laptop out the window. I was so annoyed. Um, unchanged lineup and a fairly dull first 45 minutes of the game, Dom. I imagine I mean, you didn't first, see much. No, no, not fairly first. It was a fairly dull 93 minutes of the game. Let's, 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 let's not take it the wrong way here. It got a little bit more interesting towards the end of the second half. For them, I mean, like, we only had two shots on target for the entire game. Yep. And I think there was a stat last week that going into this game, definitely the middle game, we've averaged 1.5 goals per game. And everyone talks about lording over our attack. But I just, but I just felt like our team was sort of quite imbalanced and it didn't seem right tactically for the way we were trying to play I understand if the way you're trying to play with that team is get the ball forward but that wasn't really happening we weren't really creating enough chances but obviously we did get their goal just for just for the break but you know we could have been we could have been down with them after a great double save from Marcus Bettinelli obviously he won man the match on the official Fulham website after being being hounded out last week so I think actually on the on the balance of play of the game I do think it probably was a fair result because yeah, it I was Wednesday with the team who were creating the chances if I'm looking at the second half like the only chance of really rem- maybe the knockout free kick maybe mm, that goes yeah. over the bar but <laughs> it wasn't even close yeah was I know it? it wasn't it wasn't close it wasn't close at all and I just I just yeah it feels quite a drab affair and 
I just think that we're not creating enough chances with the possession we're having. And I think that is a problem that we do need to look at because I know it is only mid-September and you say, oh, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. But if you're looking at Wednesday away, if you're looking at over the course of a season, that's a game you go and win. The season we went up, it's a game we went and won. I think we won there two or three times previously when we've played there. So, yes, you can say it's only September, but, you know, what games do we have in March? I can't list them off now, but they could be harder away games. You know, when we're going away to these, when we're going away to Swansea, I know that, that that isn't that's I think that I think Swansea weighs in November, but you know the if you're looking at that that is the game yeah. you need to be winning. I don't care if it is September, you know if you're looking at over the course of a season going away to a team like Sheffield Wednesday who are, I don't really see pushing for the top six. It's a team. It's a game you expect to win if you want to get automatically promoted from this division. Hundred percent. I, I totally agree, and I think there's an element of oh well, it's nice to get a point at Sheffield Wednesday, no, not. not if you want to be top two. Um, Ben, Fulham's style of play, it's been discussed widely over the past couple of days. 623 passes, two efforts on goal. I love our style of football. I love watching us. I think that I would much rather be a team that keeps the ball like we do and it, and, it, and it's wonderful. But it's not effective at the moment at all and it's not leading to chances created and, and it is rendering a lot of it completely pointless. Yeah, 620-odd passes and 71 possession away from home doesn't count for anything if you do nothing with the ball and I think that this is a rut that Fulham have got themselves in recently where their passing has become incredibly passive and they pass sideways more often than going forward and it's a huge frustration I know what Parker is trying to do is pin the opposition team into their half and suffocate them and try to tie them out by moving the ball consistently from side to side but there's only so long before that'll work. There are teams as uh, like Sheffield Wednesday did this weekend that will use a lower number of uh, percentage of possession but use it much better because they threaten more. And there is a case to say that perhaps if we relinquish some of that possession and turned it into something that's a little bit more direct in the, in the style of football that it would help us but you see this a lot across some of the leagues in that there are unnecessary passes and unnecessary passages of play when you could just hit space or you could just hit wingers that are a bit further up the pitch than a deep line defensive midfielder. You see it with Arsenal a lot. They just pass to Xhaka and Xhaka does the passing for them. Like That doesn't need to happen. Fulham can be guilty of that as well by giving it to Reed instead of letting Ream or Mawson pass through the, the, like the middle thirds. Also, I'm really not sure about this Bobby Reed experiment in centre mid-ish where he yeah. looked to be taking up a lot of positions. That's a guy that's really quick and create a lot of chances but we're playing him way too deep. It For me, it feels like you just you need to get rid of him and put it somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, you in. are going to play him. He needs to be literally right off Mitrovic. Is more, yeah. not even a really advanced number ten, a second striker, as you will not a player in a midfield three. I just mm. I feel I just don't see the point of him being that deep because that's not what type of player he is. Even when he was playing midfield previously, he's playing very advanced and he's simply not playing there. So I know I don't I know Arta didn't have the best game when he came on the pitch on you know on Saturday, but you would you would argue that a Reed, Arta, Slash Johansson and Canefield is a lot more balanced and I think we, we probably would play better. And because you if you're gonna play Bobby Reed, he needs to be playing basically more more as an attacker as opposed to a central midfielder. I mean George, it seems to me that Fulham just needs a little bit more unpredictability whipping across out of nowhere occasionally our goal on Saturday kind of came about from a deep cross from Joe Bryan kind of out of nothing one of our best chances against West Brom came from the same same route it just seems to me that Fulham aren't taking enough chances and I don't want us to become suddenly stoke but Mm. a tad more directness in a sense of 
oh, I've got the ball. Maybe I'm just going to do something that the opposition isn't expecting. You might relinquish possession, you know, two times out of five. But ultimately, it might just lead to a few more chances. Two shots on target is just not anywhere near good enough. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You need that directness. And it, even, it doesn't necessarily have to be lumping it up top, but even just having the confidence to, to take a man on. You know, we've got so much pace. It just seems like, you know, with too many touches and then insides. I think Kearney as well is, it would really be nice to see him rekindle the form that we've seen in previous seasons. I feel like the passes that he's offering are too sideways and not um, attacking enough. I think maybe we should play him just behind Mitrovic in the role that we saw him a bit for uh, last last season and give him that space and creativity to put those balls forward. He's not getting forward enough, in my opinion. Um, so I think that we, I think tactically we, we should move um, Kearney in a bit more. Is it a case of square peg round holes at the moment and the fact we're just trying to fit in Knockart, Cavalero, Mitrovic, Kearney, Bobby Reid? Is it just a case that you cannot get all five of them into an effective system. Yeah, I think it is a case of you, we, you've seen you've seen it quite a lot with quite when big teams make big these big signings they make and they're trying to just sandwich them all in. I, I think that's kind of what I see Fulham or international do. sides. Yeah, when yeah, they've yeah. Got yeah. Too many. I, I think mm. that it's why you've got to, you've got to pick the best players for the system you want to play, not just pick the best players who are in your squad. I think a lot of teams have been guilty of this in the past. That yeah, you don't need to do that. You want to pick the players best for the system you play. That's why England did well in the World Cup. Let's say. Because they picked players who fit the system they wanted to play. If you're picking your best players, it's not going to work like that. You know, it's not a balanced midfield with with Bobby Bob playing the position he is. If you want someone in there, and you want, as you said, Kenny, one one game that sticks out for me is the second half home to Watford. It was probably, I think, it was this weekend last season that you. That's the sort of player you want because, and that's the sort of system you want to play because he's right behind Mitrovic and he can offer the creativity further forward. And then if you have a Johansson, Reed, or Arta playing that number eight role, I think it just makes more sense. I just think, as you said, it's it's a very, un, as I said, it's a very unbalanced midfield and I just don't see what they're trying to achieve from it. I understand if, I understand that midfield three if you're playing Bobby Reed, as I said, so much more further forward, but that's not happening. And you've just got to pick the best system, not the best players all the time. It reminds it's- me a bit of when you go on FIFA and you just do the automatic <laughs> substitutions to get all of your highest ranked players in. <laughs> yeah. um, totally disregard for formation, just sandwich them in. It's like a jigsaw, it doesn't quite fit. It's also partially mentality as well. Two games in a row, we've gone 1-0 up and then really kind of sat back on that lead which does work to a point because it stifled West Brom for a long time and they struggled to create chances and Sheffield Wednesday created absolutely nothing until that chance in the 93rd minute however for me it's just crying out to go and try and get a second goal and Fulham don't really look like they're even wanting to get that second and like you you watch a team like Liverpool yesterday who it was 2-1 to Liverpool late in the second half and Chelsea were knocking on the door were Liverpool trying to just pass it sideways amongst their defenders and trying to hold on to the 2-1 no they were chasing a third and it feels like Fulham need to do that a little bit more as well yeah I think I don't want to really talk about QPR on this but Mark Warburton's philosophy always has been though if you won the lap he wants to win he wants to get the second and third goal he doesn't want to sit on that 1-0 lead and I think that's the biggest and that was the weirdest thing going into that 93rd minute or the 95th minute whatever, how many minutes were added on I wasn't nervous. Like I didn't feel like Sheffield Wednesday were going to grab an equaliser. It was like a massive, like it wasn't a shock or surprise, but it was just like no one. I don't think anyone was 
like as nervous we have been in previous games when, we, when we've got a one nil lead. I'm thinking a one goal lead. I'm thinking maybe the Leeds home game last season, or not last season. Sorry, two seasons ago when we got promoted. That there was ne- there was nerves going to understand it's towards the last end of the season, so there's more riding on it. But I no one the away end didn't feel nervous going into the last few minutes for me. Everyone was sort of just waiting for the final whistle to go so we can get the three points. But, but that ultimately shows that just trying to sit on a one-goal lead, no matter who the opposition is, is always dangerous because any team at any level can go forward in the 93rd minute, punt one into the box and, and, and let the fattest man on the pitch score. Well, I think this is where there's a fundamental error in some of Parker's tactics because he only seems to be able to produce one style of football at the moment. And for us, and for, for Fulham to have that killer instinct, you need to be able to change stuff fundamentally and to be able to exploit flaws in your opposition regardless of if you're in front or if you're behind. And teams are doing that to us, and you saw it in the West Brom game, and you see it again this week. That They started putting more crosses into the box from unpredictable sort of positions on the pitch, if you know what I mean. They yeah. weren't byline crosses, they were crosses from fairly deep, and they were swung in behind the centre-halves, and that's where the deflection for the goal has come from. It's just an unpredictable ball, and it would be really nice to see Fulham, you know, becoming a little bit more flexible with their tactics and not just sitting and trying to suffocate people but going for that killer instinct like we saw against Millwall um, Kenny's goal it was it was well finished George um, I've, you've got to really put it down to uh, a keeper mistake but ultimately there was bodies in the way there weren't too many areas in the net he could hit it and, and he found it kind of with a plomb yeah no I, I thought he took it very well it, it looked like he had loads of time to me I don't know what you thought. He, he took a touch, composed himself, and then st- it, didn't, it wasn't, you know, he didn't slam it into the right-hand corner, but it was fairly near the keeper. But it was. It seemed like he had... It was two- classic TC. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, he, he did Reminded well. me a bit of the goal he scored at Loftus Road. The year we went 3-0 yeah. up in the first half, and I think there was a big deflection in the box. Maybe the keeper saved or it came off the post, and Kearney kind of had a difficult one to control, and he just slid it under the keeper. It was very, very similar. Um, in my opinion, there's not really a lot to discuss from the game. There's there's nothing really happened that whole second half. I mean, one thing I do want to come on to, though, is Bettinelli, Ben. Last week on the podcast, we were discussing, is it Betts? Yeah. Is it Rodak? What does Scott do for the next match? And mm. once, once Swallow doesn't make a summer, but I think... Parker got it right with sticking with Betts. Well, I think his decision was vindicated this week because Betts produced a really, really good game. Dom and I were talking about this on the train over. Like, it's what you sort of get as a goalie. You get um, a lot of eyes on you if you had a really bad performance, but also you gain all the plaudits if you make a number of great saves. And I think that's what he did. There was one from a header from very close range and there was one where he actually um, took the box under his ownership and clattered the man whilst making the save and that's something that we didn't see last week Yeah, but we saw this week and I, I really like that that command of his box which clearly he's been working on this week and maybe he would have listened to us and taken some of that on board. <laughs> <laughs> Hello Marcus if you're listening. Hello Marcus. Uh, very well done. Um, speaking of learning from their lessons I actually thought that Parker's subs were also a bit braver. That was another thing we were talking about last week was that he was a bit slow to make those substitutions. I actually thought the calls he made bringing on Adoy, bringing on Arta he also, did he bring on Kamara? Is that my yeah, imagination? Yeah, he did bring Kamara on like eight, 80 odd minutes. Yeah, I must have just been making a cup of tea. Well, no, no, everyone, no, but everyone in the world was like, surely that Kamara hasn't come on here. <laughs> like, I just, but going quickly back to the point about Marcus Bettinelli is that, as, we, as me members said, it is the life of a goalkeeper. You, you know, your mistakes are frowned upon you and then you're praised for doing it. But I also, 
my my, my problem was with everyone criticising for, for about Rodak to come in is Rodak looks better because he's not playing. He's played one game against Premier League side who mm. are peppering shots at him. And most likely, you're going to save more than you concede. And I don't, mm. I don't, I didn't pinpoint the West, West Brom draw on Marcus Bennett because I don't think actually the reason we draw was his fault. The, like just because he makes a mistake that leads to the West Brom goal doesn't mean the defeat's his fault because your strikers still have to take the opportunities you create. But but I don't th- if a striker doesn't take your opportunities, it's less criticised than if your goalkeeper makes a mistake, which is the state of goalkeeping punditry. I think anyway, they just and it, it's always the goalkeeper's problem you know talking about the David De Gea with a Cresswell free kick on Sunday so I think that you know it was the right choice to stick with better you know he, he was he was in the England squad like twice last last season there's a re- there's a reason he's a number one and Rodak just looks better because he's not playing that's that's the way it is because that's why you always get calls for another goalkeeper to come in because because they're not playing you don't actually see how they play you've he's, we've seen him play one game this season I don't think how how on earth is that cause to call in to replace Marcus Bettinelli I think one problem is Fulham fans are often very quick to criticise our goalkeeper you know we've never really had one goalkeeper and stuck with him for the entire season even when Bettinelli came in for us in the playoff seasons, you know, David Button has started these seasons before, you know, Lonergan, we had Lonergan and, you know, first season we came down, we had Yorinan, we had Kirali, then Marcus Bettinelli came and made it his own. So I think that's, I think when it comes to a goalkeeper, I think actually one of the main things is sticking with them because if you stick, if you stick with them, their confidence won't take as big of a dive and if, if you drop them, you know, what, what happens is then Rodak makes mistakes, you call then to bring Magnus Norman in. Like, it for me, it it was vindicated to keep him going. Obviously, he was our man in the match. Made some very good saves, and I'm very happy. For Wasn't him. the Fulhamish man of the match? I'll uh, have you know. Who was, was that? Uh, Harrison Reed got better on the player ratings than uh, than Marcus Bettinelli, and that never happens. Nearly always, like our man of the match on the player ratings, and then the Fulham man of the match is nearly exactly the same. So I did uh, raise an eyebrow when I saw that one earlier. Um, very balanced from you, that Dom. <laughs> the England yeah, podcast right. is lucky to have you. Yeah, they are England desk. <laughs> um, just quickly come on to the subs and one in particular, Harry Arter, head absolutely gone. <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought he was, I, I, I was baffled by that. He came on and seemed to want to take on the entire Sheffield Wednesday team, fans, management, stewards, anyone in the ground that got in his way. He's got that hot streak in him. I don't like God knows what his sort of pre-game Psych up routine is it's like uh, do you hear what Jamie Vardy oh, does like before every two game? Two cups of coffee and a Red Bull. Isn't no, it? he has two cans of Red Bull and a pouch of snus, which is like a <laughs> tobacco that you yeah, get in the, Sweden. Yeah, the, the Icelandic or Scandinavian. So, so, so Jamie Vardy. Yeah, sorry Vardy. I don't know whether um, don't know whether Arthur does something similar, but it's just not what you need. You know, he's coming off the back of a suspension. You got to sort of ease and yourself he's, back he's, into he's, the team. He's this also coming a, on to sort of. S- settle the game and you know keep everyone calm and because he's one of what, more, the more experienced pro in there Premier League experience good championship experience you expect him he to be the, a leader on the pitch and he just didn't show that whatsoever but there's a difference between kind of Steph Joe shithousery and, and winding up players and being niggly and just fully losing your head Mawson Kearney Bettinelli pretty much every player on the pitch was having to go up to Arta and just be like calm down you're literally one word one action away here from getting a red card in, in a moment where we were trying to keep our heads. And then for me, you look at what happened in the lead up to the goal. And this was after Parker had grab, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck. Gave me right tongue lashing, didn't he? I mean, it was wonderful to see. Um, he does a needless running chase on the goalkeeper. It's embarrassing because he slips over. 
So he's absolutely exerted his pressure to try and chase down the goalkeeper. He was never going to get anywhere near it. It wasn't like we're 1-0 down here and we're trying to get him to kick it quicker. If anything, you want the Sheffield Wednesday keeper to take longer. And then he can't keep up with um, Kadeem Harris, who put the cross in for the goal. I'm not saying the two are necessarily linked, but what's he doing? He's running around like a, a man on steroids. I don't know. You could look at it in a really positive way in that in his last game for us before that, he got sent off. So he sort of wants to better his character, I suppose, or like try and make it up to us. But like he's done it in completely the wrong way. <laughs> like do it by scoring a goal, not by kicking everyone in the shins. Do it by being composed and stopping people like Kadeem Harris from getting an important cross in at the end of the match. Why mm. are you chasing down Kieran Westwood? I just, I know it's a small, probably unlinked point, but I just thought it was a bit shambolic the way he came on. It was like a bull in a china shop. And if it was a Bubakar Kamara, everyone, okay, would be, mm. everyone would be slating him. But Good. because it's Harry Arter and he's a nice bloke and he's Scott Parker's brother-in-law, everyone's kind of okay with it and doesn't really notice. He's going to be an important player for us this season. There's no denying it. But at the moment, in his current, I don't know what you want to call it, head loss form, uh, he's becoming a liability and he just needs to rein it in a bit. Going on what Ben was saying, he obviously wants to prove that, you know, prove his place in the squad and go out and give 100%. But I think he might have over the pudding a bit on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's just quickly come on to the new who goal. Ben, is there anything Fulham really could have done to stop it? I've seen a few people criticising. Mawson, uh, it's an unfortunate one. I just don't think it's really his fault. I don't think you can criticise Mawson because he's tried to cut the ball out and it's from quite a difficult angle to wrap your foot around it. Yeah. Um, maybe he could have gone with his head if you're looking at really, really like last-ditch defending or something you could have changed. But for me, it's very passive closing and pressing on the ball in from Kadeem Harris. It's just, he had he had a lot of ground to make up and he had a lot of, time to figure out what he wanted to do with that cross and no one stopped him and it wasn't until it was too late that they he did start to get shut down eventually so I'm just wondering perhaps if we do need to start pressing a little bit more um, also it it's really highlighted the fact that Parker brought this up a couple of games ago as soon as the game goes a little bit stretched against us we look really, really exposed, and we did there as well. And that we did a couple of times actually in the first and second half when they got behind our fullbacks mm. and started to swing crosses in. There's there's a number of uh, highlights you can see on on the official site of crosses coming in from what you would probably describe as not particularly dangerous areas, but causing a lot of trouble in the box. Is that partially because we have so much possession, and therefore we're not very used to? almost defending not knowing what to do because so rarely do we have pressure on us then suddenly in those last final 10 minutes when teams are throwing the kitchen sink because we don't have the kitchen sink thrown at us very much as soon as we're in that situation we're just a bit rabbit in headlights and hoping for the best well I think it's just like a lapse in concentration because we get this not just at the end of games it happens to us quite a lot and I think it, it could just be down to the positioning of the defenders Joe Bryan's always exceptionally high um, and so Sassignon and you can get in behind both of them fairly easily if you pick the right passes and you, if you watch a number of the strikers against us and halves they tend to pull out to the right or the left to try and hold the ball up and bring their wingers in um, so I think that it fundamentally could be a problem but that's what you get if you try and suffocate teams in the opposition half and it's sort of like a byproduct of that style of play 
Okay, right. Well, I think we've um, done enough analysis on Sheffield Wednesday. We've got a load of your questions to answer, so we'll get on with that after this. Hello, I am Brad Hangeland, and when I'm not rubbing my thigh with cheese, I'm listening to the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome back to part two of this Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with George Cooper. Hello. Don Betts. Hello, hello. And Ben Jarman. Hello, hello. So there are very limited tickets remaining for our Fulhamish 200 event, which is going to be on October the 5th, straight after the Charlton game from the old Suffolk Punch. £3.75. Gentleman Jim's going to be down there. Another Fulham guest, TBC. Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to let you know about that in the next week or so. But yeah, not many tickets left at all. So head to fulhamish.co.uk. Get your ticket. Follow the link. Uh, it's on the homepage of fullermish.co.uk. It's also our pinned tweet on Twitter as well, and the links in our in the bio on our Instagram, uh, if that's where you generally get your content. So get your tickets now. It's going to be a really really nice afternoon, straight after the Charlton game. Have a few beers, meet the lads, tackle me live. <laughs> I mean, that is basically what everyone's bought their ticket for. Yeah, I mean, both Cam and Ben said you're welcome to come along and abuse me. So. That, I think that's the USP for this event. The USP, like, the don't, USP. Wor- don't worry about all the special guests we've got lined up. Don't worry about the beer. Don't worry about a live band. Don't worry about the stage. Don't worry about anything. Just come along and swear at Dom for two hours. Can we give a prize for the best heckle? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we've got a T-shirt. I mean, considering, or a considering JC and George Singer will be there alongside me, I mean, it'll, it'll be getting abuse from them as well. So, perfectly fine. Can't wait. Coming from every angle. Yeah, mate. Yeah, get your tickets now. Fulhamish.co.uk would be amazing to see you guys down there. Right, let's do some questions. Today we're taking them from Instagram to change them up. Um, Right, this one is from Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin T07. Should we change to a five at the back formation if we are defending the three points? Ben Jarman, I will start with you. Uh, No. Um, I don't like it because it means that we have to concede a man out of the middle of the park. And if we want to try and retain possession of the ball I'd rather we didn't do that by taking him out of the middle of the pitch and putting him at centre half um, I think it should probably be something like a 4-2-3-1 with just an additional holding midfielder if we really want to hang on uh, next question this one I'm going to adapt the question slightly this one is from Oxman Shake. he says how long will we win in the possession stats my other question is there any team in the championship where we may struggle to have more than 50% possession given our current style of play. My, my answer would be Leeds, but... Look at Swansea as well, but like, I don't, I don't really care about... No, I was just genuinely interested like, if there was another team. If, if, I don't, don't care about football either, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> love Fulham, hate football. Also, no, I hate Fulham, hate football, don't so That's <laughs> what I'm going with now. No, no. my, po- my point is, if what we have, was it, 70% possession against Sheffield Wednesday... Like, what do we do with it like n- nothing so for me I know we, me and Ben have mentioned this whatever since this podcast has started about possession with a purpose mm. I think Saturday was a definition of possession with fuck all purpose <laughs> yeah it's because, passive possession yeah yeah so I think I think we, we would throw against Leeds but you know if you look at it in the way the attack we got with Knockart, Kearney, Mitrich and Caviero surely if on the counter attack then I think Caviero might actually be more useful when we when we, when the other team has more possession than us, because I do feel like he's a player that's a lot more effective on the break. I don't know if he's that effective in a possession based side. No, because every time he scored these goals, like against Mill, against Huddersfield, he hasn't actually had a good game. I thought he was anonymous on Saturday, and I think that you know I don't see any reason why we couldn't be 
even more effective as a side actually working on the counter attack. You know, looking if you get, if you get your players bomb forward, you you win most bombing forward once we get on the ball. Then I think that you know maybe we could actually be more effective if the other team actually did have more of the ball. Even if it's for little spells of the game, right? First fifteen minutes, we're going to let them have the ball. They're the home side. Then we're going to pounce. Yeah, I, I kind of think I think Dom's got a great point regarding Cavaliero because he has looked at his best when he's had lots of space to run into. And like, although you said Millwall and Huddersfield were sort of like paper over the cracks of a bit of a rubbish performance, like that's where he was most effective. Millwall left him some good amount of space in between the centre half and the fullback, and he exploited it loads. So, yeah, maybe it is a case of just you know trying to. Like set him free, let him let him run, <laughs> let him be be free. <laughs> um, Lorcan Moore asks, uh, Reed or Arter, George? Uh, As in Harris, Harrison. Well, actually, he's written this the way that you'd spell Bobby Reed, but I'm going to assume he means we'll just Harrison. compare all three. Fine, I think given his previous performances, I'd I'd go for Harrison Reed. I think he's done. I think he's done well. Yeah, you know he's he's got bags of energy. He's passing. He's link up play between. Um, he's our main sort of person moving forward when he would pick up from centre backs. Um, for me, it's Harrison Reed every time at the moment. Uh, that's not to say I won't change my mind. I do like Harry Arter, but he just needs to a, a bit of a cooling off period, should we say? He's in the doghouse at the moment. Uh, Mitchell FFC says, "Is having two inverted wingers stifling our attacks because no one's hitting the byline?" Dom, I don't think it's. It's the way... I don't think inverted wingers are, are stuffing our attack, if that makes sense. I think the way we're playing with them is mm-hmm. what's stifling our attack. The concept of having Knockout and Caviera as inverted wingers, I don't think it's the issue. I just think it's a system we're deploying isn't utilising them to the best of their ability. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Because if you have inverted wingers, you need more space for them to cut in and have an influence. And when you're that far forward and suffocating the other team that much, there's no space. Especially when you've got Kearney and Bobby Reed both in the centre of park as exactly. well. Like where is what where, where is the space for them to to work into? There isn't because both those players are going to want to attack. And I think if you had a more balanced midfield, that you might they they probably be more effective because there'd be more space for them to run into. I just think that's the biggest problem. I think it's the system we're trying to deploy as opposed to the as opposed to having them as inverted wingers. Louis Canwell, why does our mentality seem to shift when we take the lead? in games do you know what I didn't think that much did seem to change on Saturday nil nil one nil it was just as passive as 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 each other I didn't actually think much changed on on Saturday well I think you're right and that's the point isn't it uh nothing changes when when if we're behind in front or whatever and a team needs to have some sort of dynamism otherwise they'll never get anywhere right this one made me laugh uh Mike Kazidane are people calling for Scott Parker to be fired the same that think the earth is flat? <laughs> um, the earth is flat, so it's perfectly fine. I don't, what's, what's his angle with that question? I think is he's, he's, I think he's basically insul- saying. I think he's insulting the people that think that Scott Parker should be fired. Flat earth gang. I think I think there's pressure on him to be honest, um, but I you know. But there's always pressure. There's always pressure. I I think I, I've said this before on the podcast. We are notoriously late at hitting our strides. We've seen it time and time again. You know, 2017. We 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 were where we about 16th on November 2017, as the three red review um sort of highlighted. I think we're we're going to be all right, and it's all fine. Everyone needs to calm down. <laughs> like you know, so let's, let's have a brief. Let's have a reality check here. 
Um, I so, said it was group therapy at the start of the podcast. I didn't I think we'd actually get onto group therapy <laughs> by the end, but I'm like, uh, you love to see it. Um, no, Dom, yeah. I mean, is it uh, for me? I'm not taking any chat about Parker out seriously at the moment. It's just it seems no, childish. Who, who, are you, who are you planning on getting in? Is is the is, is my argument? Whenever someone, well, I saw in. someone say Hewton. I was like, well, if you think this is boring, yeah, I think you've got a. This is this is a problem I raised with Man United in a moment. If you're looking at Mourinho, Solskjaer, and Poch, Dash Allegri, those three managers have nothing in common. You, there needs to be some form of regression. If someone Palace got De Boer in, I always I said from the start they should have got Hodgson in instead of him because you can't go from Allardyce to De Boer. So I think <laughs> you'll have Hodgson as like a palate cleanser. Yeah, just, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I just no, I just think that you've got you've got to stick with or be relatively similar to what the philosophy was previously. I don't think you can switch it to someone like Hewton. So I think that Parker, for me, is perfectly fine at the moment. You know, it's September. Although I said, complained about it, but you have to win against Wednesday. You know, as long as you're in contention, you know, you don't want to go out all guns blazing because a team like, if we look Swansea, for an example, they could burn out and drop off and they could end up finishing 7th or 8th from the league. We, we don't know. So, no, I'm not calling him Parker's head yet. I think the real time to analyse it is going into the November international break where we are. There is pressure on Friday, though. There feels like real pressure to win on Friday. And uh, if he doesn't, if, if let's say it goes sour against Wigan, then you're it. Then you're off to the Medeski and they're a bit Jekyll and Hyde this season. I don't know. It, it could get messy reasonably quick, Ben. It could do. And this is my, my one concern about Parker being a very new manager is that he hasn't necessarily had the experience to manage a situation where results are slightly on the slide but I'm not saying by any means that these results are on the slide by the way I think that put it in context it could be much much worse but yeah if it gets to a period where he is struggling to get the the proper results out of him it could all go downhill very very easily because he's just never been in a situation before but I don't think he should be sacked. No way do I think he should be sacked. I think he's already displaying enough quality to show that he'll be a successful manager in the long run for us. It's just a case to say that he needs to be a bit more flexible, needs to have more than just one idea and perhaps naming an unchanged 11 week in, week out, especially the front three, is making him a little bit complacent. You know, Maybe if he did shake it up a little bit, it might help to boost us and make us a little bit more unpredictable. We've got the most unpredictable player in the whole of the league on the bench, so... That might help. What are we talking, AK or Arta? AK, (laughs) AK. At the moment, they're running each other close. Um, I mean, A, Murray 18 says, Steph Joe, do we win more with him? And I I also wouldn't hate to see... I would have quite liked to see Steph Joe come on in the West Brom game. It maybe allows Bobby Reid to then go out wide. No, you know what? You know what the influence of Johansson is like? It it means that play stops further up the pitch than it would do if you didn't have him on on the field. So try and explain that a little bit better like if you see a team that are breaking against us Johansson's almost certainly going to stop it one way or another mm-hmm. if you take out the influence of Johansson then the team immediately becomes more dangerous to us because they're getting closer to our box at a quicker rate it's very very simple but I think he does have a role to play in there regardless of how badly his form's dropped off compared to when we went up a uh, couple of nonsense questions really to finish um cos Kara Giannis uh, says, do you think that QPR will finish in the playoffs position? They are doing very, very well at the moment. They are doing very well. And, you know, I think that's the Mark Warburton effect. Because We were worried about Brentford at the start because of the season. He, yeah, and then it like, could be going down at this stage. That boring 0-0 jab affair between them and Stoke looks like the least game 
football I'd ever want to watch. Um, so no, I and don't, you've seen a few in your time. Yeah, I've seen I've seen plenty. Um, I, I see Turner Mitchum on a regular, so I can I can I can answer to that. But I think no, I don't think I don't think they will. I think QPR are riding a wave of I know I can say winnable fixtures, but I think that I don't think they will. I think QPR fans right now would still take just survival. I yeah. think I think they would because th- for me I thought they actually I didn't know what they're going to be like under Warburton. Obviously he did he did well at Brentford, but you know he did okay at Rangers and. I didn't think he was that good at Forest, but I think that you know they're, they're doing well. They're doing they'll finish better than they did last season, I think. But I still think they'll, win, they'll peter out and finish about thirteen or twelve. I really don't like it, Sammy. I really do not like it. Was it no. like three wins on the back? How they've won like the last four games? They keep they? winning. I just I, I I you know what? I was only maybe at the weekend. I just went QPR won again. How? Yeah. I mean, Mark Warburton's a good manager. He's, I'm not I'm not massively surprised. And he does well with teams like Brentford and a few similarities between the QPR team that we've got the mo- the, at the moment and, and Brentford. But yeah, I, I really don't like it. The sooner they start losing, well, the better. easier. just gets bought by a Premier League come January and then they'll peter out. <laughs> there we go. Um, this one made me laugh. Archie Blackhurst, what do you think on the firm and the fans? Dom, you're head of the firm. Yeah, yeah I'm clearly head of the firm. <laughs> the England firm, not the, not the firm. We don't really have a firm. Do we? It, it, it once upon a time it was called the Thames Valley Travellers. That's 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 true. That must I think that was back in the seventies. Yeah, it was. But I don't know whether they're still a contingent. I mean, there was there was the, there was the parody one called the FPI about five six years ago, which stands for full and pissed idiots. So. <laughs> and there's that now defunct. Uh, Dom's their social. I mean, Dom's head of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have a podcast? <laughs> Unfortunately, not. Would be a good one though. I'd I'd hundred percent listen if there was a podcast called Full and Pissed Idiots. Sponsored yeah. by Beer Fifty Two. <laughs> I'd back that Kickstarter. Uh this is the final one. I actually enjoyed this question. Blank mind label. Who do you think is Fulham's worst value signing of all time? He says Rui Font. George, I'll start with you. What do you think? Konstantinos Matroglu, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I, I what do we what do we pay for him? Like twelve million? How many minutes did he play for us? About the same amount of minutes as millions as we paid for him. I don't think he played more than 90. He he came on at Cardiff, and I'm pretty sure that was his only ever appearance. No, he he started at Cardiff because we played two strikers who were were Matroglu and Cordy Woodrow. Because I remember seeing that. Did he he last the full 90? I don't know if he lost four, but he played a a fair amount in that game. I remember he he looked all right at West Brom away. I remember that. But, yeah, you've got to go with Matroglu, I think. I mean, you can talk about, some people maybe say Rui, some people will say Steve Marley, basically whenever we play big money for a player. But yeah. I don't think you can look past Matroglu just because how little he play and how pony he was. Mm. I remember that, so he went, when we first went down, I think he went on loan for the season and he did all right. And then in the Greek Sold him league, to Marseille. But then there was a point where he wasn't being sold for the whole of pre-season. Yeah, no, I remember. And we, I think we thought there was a chance. We played Eintracht Frankfurt friendly at a place called Erdening near Salzburg and he was just sat with all the Fulham players. Like, I think he was sat next to like, Lionel Cole and Jack Grimmer. And he, I, I remember speaking to him and he was just like, yeah, I'm going. Mm. But he played a, a friendly against Palace and I only remember it because it was one of my first ones when I did that job with gentleman Jim and he was quite good and it was a week before the season started and I was getting a bit excited thinking hello this boy could uh, have a bit of fun in the championship if he fancies sticking around but lo and behold five days later he was gone have you seen that um, Steve Sidwell interview I think it was on Soccer AM or you, something you know, like with, um, it was, it was, Joe. yeah it was on the Joe podcast with Kelly Cates and yeah. John Wilters I think I, yeah, I think I put it on the Fulhamish Twitter account and yeah, he was basically saying he just loved to eat. He just was just eating the whole time, yeah. like the whole time. And when he arrived, he looked really fat and slow and 
bad at sports and then it just sort of carried on like that. It just, yeah, but you could say you could say that about Adte Nuhu and he managed to bag the last oh, one. Yeah, he or he that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, knew who looked really out of shape. I he thought. looked really <laughs> out of shape. I was like, oh, I mean, this is bad enough that it's the 93rd minute, but how has he just lumbered onto the end of one? He basically just looked like when we had Sheffield Cucci. He really did. It was <laughs> it was quite depressing. Right, that'll do for the questions today. Uh, thank you for getting involved on Instagram. So, uh, all we need to do for the podcast, all that's left, is to name it. And, George, I imagine that since you were so super organised with three world reviews that you've probably got 106 to choose from yeah yeah sorry did I go on a bit with that one Uh, I enjoyed it I'm going to go take a pick out of the wordsmiths category and go for another howling draw with the emphasis on owl that was Sandwicher. Well done, mate. We're going to send you a... No, we don't send people anything, do we? Yeah. <laughs> Just blowing the budget. Yeah, eh? yeah, sorry. We should get like Blue Peter badges or something, but full of mission. We'll badges. send him a signed picture of Don Betts. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, in an England what, top what, at Prague away. What, Photoshop's onto a picture of a pony? Yeah, something like that. No, we'll just send them a still of the gif of you saying pony. Available on Instagram, FYI. Yeah, just search um, Fulham when it comes up. Yeah. Fulhamish badge is actually... I like that. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take on that, man, too. Right. Fulhamish badges coming soon. Don Betts is your man for stickers. Ben Jarman's your man for any other merch. We're uh, we're on it. Okay, well, Fulhamish Extra uh, will be coming out Wednesday night, Thursday morning with a preview, uh, no doubt provided by the lovely Don Betts with a Wigan fan. TBC, I assume, at the moment. Yeah, TBC. I've got a few podcasters lined up. We'll see who we'll go for. Good stuff. And then you are speaking to... Uh, Ian from the Disabled Supporters Association, aren't you, George? I am indeed, yeah. So um, we're going to have a little chat that will be involved. They're, they've done amazing work so far this season. Absolutely. Uh, brand new organisation, so uh, it will be great to hear from them and all the work that they are doing. So Fulhamish Extra will be coming soon, and all that's left for me to say is thank you very much, Ben Jarman. Thank you. Can I make a request? Ibs, if you uh, can ring up the radio show on Wednesday and talk to Dom, that would be great. Thank you, mate. Thanks, everyone. Little chin work. Uh, Dom, thank you very much. Oh, it's a pleasure as always, isn't it? Uh, George, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Uh, we'll see you very soon. Come on, you whites. Toodles.